friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. On today's show, we're going to talk about Austin's second designated player, Tomas Pochettino. We're also going to have an interview with Chris Bills of the Striker Texas about the website and some recent stories that he's written about Austin FC and uh, also cover a few other points of Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Um, Landon, how's your last four or five days been? <laughs> it's uh it's been an adventure um uh, we we were without electricity for 48 hours uh electricity came back on this with we're recording this on wednesday is today wednesday yes uh, that's that's how my my last 48 my last few days has gone i don't know what day it is but uh power came back on this morning and then water went out almost immediately after that so it's been wild uh i don't you haven't we haven't mentioned my my clothes that I'm wearing yet. <laughs> Listeners, you won't be able to see this, but I'm wearing a high-vis orange set of coveralls, which has kind of been my uniform for the last few days when our our house was kind of hovering around 40 degrees for most of Tuesday. And so we ended up uh, like taping up blankets around all the windows to insulate it more and kept a, a fire going. And we got it up to like 58 degrees by the time bedtime came around. So it was... Uh, it was an interesting couple of days, but we're made it through and we're doing okay. Um, how, how about you guys? How have you been doing? Well, first, I want to say you look like you should either be milking cows or out working on a power line right now. I think one of <laughs> one of the two one of those two best describes that outfit. But um, the, so the reason I have these coveralls is because my my grandfather trained bird hunting dogs for a living and had all these like like super heavy duty hunting gear. So you could go out in the cold because you go hunting at like hunting for birds at like 5 a.m. or something. And so that's why I own these. I myself don't go hunting, but <laughs> all my neighbors probably thought it was uh, pretty entertaining to watch me just <laughs> take my dog on walks the last couple of days that, wearing these. I like it. No, man, we've we've hung in there. We've had on and off power, but we're in a pretty good routine where it's on three hours and off for an hour and a half. Um, so we're all right. Um, the water thing's becoming a challenge. Had I had I known we would lose water today, I might have showered yesterday. But I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't thinking ahead on that one. Yeah. So um, looking through, when I finally got, I also didn't have phone data this whole time, and so I was just like kind of living blissfully ignorant of of all the stuff happening in the world. But uh, after I found out why we don't have water and some other things happening around the city and around the state, it was. Uh, a little bit depressing and a little bit uh, made me a little bit angry, but I reminded myself of a quote from uh, f- from Mr. Rogers, and I think it's actually Mr. Rogers quoting his mother. But he said, "Look for the helpers; you'll only always find people who are helping." And so, trying to like be positive and help other people has has really been really good for for me and my wife today. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some people in Austin who are helping uh, the Austin FC players. So can you want to give us a, a few details about that? Uh, yeah, this afternoon, this uh, uh, GoFundMe popped up, which originally, I believe, appears to come originally from Matt Beasler and then the Stuvers, who have both been very active on Twitter throughout, kind of about helping people out. But they're doing a fundraiser. Um, they posted sort of the the intro to it is the the entire city of Austin needs help. Many people are without electricity, heat, food, and shelter. The players of Austin FC have come together to help in any way possible. And it kind of goes from there. So it's a GoFundMe. Um, the club and the 4ATX Foundation have gotten involved too. And the money will go to the Austin Area Urban League um, Emergency emergency Response Fund. Um, technically, the money goes to 4ATX Foundation first. And the 4ATX is going to turn that money around and donate it to this emergency response fund that the Urban League um, has created. And last time I looked, I think like they had raised almost $10,000 this afternoon um, out of that, um, donations from fans. Um, I even saw like the Columbus supporters groups and supporters had come through and donated. So I saw that for yeah. another decade. So I uh, saw the Cooligans talk about it. So it's a really cool thing to come out of a crisis, I think. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to see those players who the vast majority of them have no connection here and are very new in town, but they're stepping in and like saying like this is our community now and we're going to do what we can to help because we do have this platform to help with it and so 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know that many of the, any of the players expected this kind of weather when they they signed on to move to Austin. But it's been really cool to see to see all of them kind of jump in and, and lend a helping hand where they can. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can go to contribute to that. But you can also go to Austin FC's Twitter page or website or Matt Beasler's. It's it's all over if you look, especially on Twitter, to find a link to do that and go donate. And if you're able to do your part to support your neighbors in need. So uh, before all of this weather crisis happened, some of the biggest Austin FC news in a little while happened, something we've been excited to talk about and it got delayed by this weather, but it's the Tomas Pochettino signing. So uh, we got green smoke last Wednesday and then also a, a stadium fly through featuring some tango music, which is kind of their hint that it was going to be maybe someone from Argentina. But uh, Jeremiah, give us a quick little bio of, of Pochettino. Yeah, so Pochettino uh, from Argentina, uh, developed through the Boca Juniors system, youth and second team ranks. Uh, he debuted in 2015 as an 18-year-old for the club. I think he only played maybe one or two um, matches for for Boca before moving on. Um, and then he, was he's 24, correct? Or 25? I think he just turned 25. Yeah, just turned 25. Um, most recently at, I'm going to screw this up, Club Atletico Talleres. Yeah, Talleres. Talleres yeah. Uh, appeared in 62 matches, scored seven goals, and recorded 10 assists. Um, so like his numbers are not overwhelming just in raw numbers, but you've watched him play and maybe understand a little bit better where he fits in the system and where his strengths and weaknesses are. So can you uh, share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think mentioning the numbers, um, if you look at his career numbers, it's not super high, but if you look at like the last year, they're actually pretty good. Um, and I think and, one of the things that we'll, we'll kind of get into this in our interview with Chris Bills after this, but uh, I think Austin FC kind of started looking into him and contacting him before he kind of had this breakout season. And so this last season was, I think, really the moment when he became like this rising star in Argentina and started making a lot of headlines there. But um, as far as the kind of player he is, he's he's a midfielder, kind of, a, uh, I would say, like box to box, although he is very much an attacking minded player. Like he's not this sit deep destroyer type guy. He's He likes to have the ball. He likes to to contribute in the attack. So a really good long range passer has a decent long range shot, likes to let him fly whenever he gets the opportunity and has scored some goals, goals from free kicks as well. So, uh, he likes to move, um, move the ball forward. He likes to advance the ball. He's not a number 10, someone who had a similar, uh, similar trajectory as him, as far as moving through Argentinian clubs is, uh, Bebelo Reynoso from, uh, Minnesota United. Um, Reynoso is like a true, that, uh, traditional Argentinian number 10. Um, Pochettino isn't that kind of playmaker, but he has really good vision from deeper in the field. And so he's more of a, in those tighter spaces, he's a good connector, but he's not going to just like create that that crazy play out of nothing like a player like Reynoso or like Zellerion might do but uh as far as his vision and um making those plays from a little bit deeper he's he's a very talented player and I think he's usually more likely the way he plays he's more likely to break open a pass that's going to lead to an assist so as far as like those MLS assists like the second assist I think he'll get quite a few of those uh as a as opposed to just like that direct assist. So um, still a very useful player. Uh, I think as far as his position goes for Austin, um, in what just kind of context clues we've all picked up on, either like a 4-3-3 or a 4-1-4-1, I think he'll be that dual 8-10, whatever you want to call it, as two uh, in like that midfield three, one of the two more advanced of those three players. So Ring will be sitting deepest, and then Pochettino and somebody else will be those slightly two more advanced players there. But definitely in the middle of the field, right? Like he's he's not a wing he's not a wing player. I don't think he's very fast, no. right? Is that what our, that's one of the things I heard about him. Uh he I don't think he's slow. Um but definitely likes to be in the middle of the field and like if if when he gets the ball deep, he he's really dangerous with kind of those longer passes, 
but as the ball progresses, he, he likes to sit kind of on top at the top of the box and like wait for those balls crossing in or like come in for a, a, a late, like long distance shot or something. So definitely likes to live in the middle of the field. Yeah. And so we think we seem to be, well, I don't know if it's just like a, the way it's developed, but we seem to be building a roster that sort of has that, that dual eight, you know, potential of a, of a four, one, four, one, four. Did you get the chance to ask, were you going to, you were going to ask Josh Wolf about it at the press conference. Did you get the chance to, or did you get something else? Uh, no, I didn't ask about the specific formation. Um, I no, Yeah. I ended up asking a different question to, uh, Claudio. Reina. Oh, it was Claudio. Okay. I think we're going to, well, yeah, we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but, um, yeah, I, I, I still haven't gotten the chance. And I, Honestly, the reason I didn't ask that question is because I don't think I would get an answer. <laughs> yeah, they're really good at answering only the things they want to answer for sure. That's one thing that I don't know if Josh learned it from Claudio or from Burhalter or whatever. But uh, and you said uh, Pochettino, like as he's pretty good about that too. You you because you oh yeah, he's like he's he's the uh, like very very media trained type of athlete and just like work hard for the boys, do our best out there. Can't wait to get to town and get to work and those those kinds of answers. So. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, which is fine. Like that's, it's, it's a way to kind of protect yourself as a player. Cause especially in a place like Argentina where the, the media will be kind of brutal with you. So I get it. But, uh, as, as someone asking the questions, it's not always the most fun for us. <laughs> right. You need a little bit more out of him. So what do we think the front seven looks like right now? Um, and you know, do you, do you worry? I'm not worried about it. I'm act- I'm more like interested to see what develops. So I I put out a, a tweet last week after the Pochettino signing, just kind of like my best guess. Um, and I think there's a few positions that are like, this is the guy, like locked in. This is who's going to start here. Um, and there's a few others that I think are totally up for grabs. So I think the ones that are locked in, uh, the back line is close to locked in. Ben Sweat is for sure the starting left back. Um, I think for like the first games and the most important games, Matt Beasler is going to be the starting left center back. Uh, he's a little bit older now. He's not going to be able to play all the time. So there'll be rotation there. But for a single game selection, Matt Beasler is the guy. Uh, right center back, I think Romagna and Cascante will be fighting for that. It'll be depend on who, who shows out in camp and uh, how Romagna kind of adapts to the new league, the new system, and kind of settles into Austin. Uh, he has he has potential to be that starting spot, but again, I think we're going to see a lot of rotation there. So I think all of them will get a lot of minutes. Lima definitely starting it right back. Um, Alex Ring is really our only number six right now, so I think he's that. That's a spot I would like to see filled soon. Uh, Pochettino is. We're talking about like those dual eights or dual tens, whatever you want to call it. Pochettino is definitely going to be one of those guys. As far as the other one goes, um, I put. Uh, Pereira, Danny Pereira there. Um, a lot of people kind of pushed back and said that they want to see Fagundes there. So that would put, I think like, and if Pereira was there, he might be like the bit a more reserved one with Pochettino having more freedom to get forward. Uh, but if it was Fagundes, that might be for a more attacking lineup where Fagundes might be the more advanced player with Pochettino sitting a little deeper. But um, then Left wing is definitely Cecilio's spot to lose uh, Husen at striker. And then the right wing is another one that I'm just like, I, I don't know. I have no clue who's going to start at right wing. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on, on that position, yeah. either the right wing or that, that other dual eight spot? Yeah, that one, the right wing was the one. I'm looking at this uh, Tom Bogert's projected lineup of, off MLSsoccer.com, and any of those, there's four potential options listed here, which is Red S. Gallagher, Segura and Mane and I mean I could see any of those people on any given day being the one who's who makes that start you know um I think the thing on Fagundes like he's got to start in the more advanced position or be on the bench right because that was that was where he ran into trouble in New England I think right it fell out of favor was that um Arenas wanted him to play deeper and he wasn't really in the mood for it so he seems like he's gonna play in the attack or or not start you know one or the other like I don't I don't see him playing playing deeper so that kind of limits the flexibility a little bit, or maybe he'll be really excited about being an Austin change his mind. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's one of those guys like, um, with the Pochettino signing, like we didn't know, we knew a DP was coming soon. But we didn't know who it was going to be. So it looks like 
this is going to be probably the at least the attacking group that we go into the season with. We might add one piece here or there, but um, I think preseason is going to be really big for some of these guys. Like they're going to get this chance to to show like I can be a starter in this position. You don't need to sign another DP in this spot because we're going to go into the summer with that that third DP slot. And I think I, I honestly think they they're just keeping those options open and telling Diego Fagundes prove prove to us that you're a starter in this spot or telling uh, any of these guys Rodney Redis, uh John Gallagher um, Stroud any of these guys like prove to us that we don't need to sign anybody else here and that there's going to be a lot of competition which is the thing I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all pans out yeah it should be. It should be exciting to see and you have everybody hungry and looking for a spot. And this does lead us to the question you actually asked Claudio, which is where do we see the other signings coming from? And I don't remember what he said. So can you fill us in on that? Yeah. So the the answer I was trying to get, again, he he didn't <laughs> I think I didn't um I didn't phrase the question in a way where he had to answer it the way that I wanted him to. And so I'll I'll try to do better at that next time. But in an uh, interview with Chris Bills a few weeks ago, he mentioned that the two players that we're going to be looking for, one of them is definitely an attacking player, and the other one is someone who will contribute to the attack in one way or another. And I brought up that quote and asked, like, which of those boxes does Pochettino tick for you? And he's he was very... Uh, very adamant about saying that Pochettino is definitely an attacking player and someone who's going to contribute to the attack for us. And so I don't know if that means like this is the more attacking of those two that I was talking about, or if he's just saying, yeah, Pochettino's an attacking player. So I didn't, I was hoping to find out like for that third spot, is that going to be like a number nine or is it some, some other spot on the field, but didn't really get a clear answer there. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, about what you get in these, these kind of press conferences, I think, uh, a lot, uh, which they're fun to get to do. But yeah, sometimes you only learn what they want to tell you, which I think means they've, <laughs> they've probably gotten good media training. Tom Webb's doing his job, making sure they don't overshare. Yeah. Um, so you did a fairly detailed analysis of the 20 players that we have um, on our roster, kind of what we've spent so far. So maybe we can spend some a little bit of time um, talking about that. And obviously it's all everybody's best guess about what we might have spent or have available. But when you put that together, well, why did you put that together? First of all, <laughs> I just seen a lot of questions in like various group chats and on Twitter. just like, how much money do we have left? Cause MLS is clearly a salary capped league. And so you can spend as much as you want on those three DPs. But, um, I wanted to know like, okay, how much money do we actually have left to spend on the rest of the roster? And so I started just like patching together this spreadsheet uh, with the nature of MLS. We don't have all the numbers. So we don't know how long these contracts are. We don't know the salaries of a lot of these guys. We don't know how much uh, the, uh, the transfer fees were for some of them. So there's a lot of guesswork in here. So what I ended up doing was kind of making a, a lowest possible estimate and a highest possible estimate and just making both of those, like marking both of those numbers on the sheet there. And uh, what I came up with is that we, if these, these estimates are anywhere close to right, that we still have quite a bit of money to spend on those final few roster spots. Yeah. And we looked, uh, you know, all we could kind of figure out is sort of what maybe the median salary was for an MLS player that we know, because we've heard about that during the collective bargaining agreement. And then, where it fits into what we have now and decided it was close enough to be reasonable. Um, we did talk about TAM players right before we started recording um, and how many we might have versus the average club, which um, I think leads us to believe that there's some more money to be spent on them out there. Um, and can you share those numbers? Yeah. So as of 2019, again, 2020, we don't have numbers on anything because the players association didn't release those. But in 2019, um, I looked through the list of TAM players on each team and it looked like most teams, like kind of the, the, the general range was like four to six TAM players on an MLS roster. As far as my best estimates, we have one or two on the roster currently. And, um, and they are, I don't think we, uh, Alex ring definitely just because of how high his salary is. He was making almost a million in New York, uh, which would put him well over the, 
like the DP threshold, which means we have to use that TAM to buy him down to below that mark. Um, and then the only other one that might be is, uh, is Matt Beasler. He was on TAM money in his last contract. He was a free agent though. So he may not, he may be below that threshold at this point, but that's ring is the only one that I, that I can almost guarantee we're using TAM on. Uh, so if we're to, it looks like we have that money to, to spend on those spots. And so, um, my estimates for how much TAM we have left is anywhere between 2 million and 2.5 million, um, based on, on my guesses in this spreadsheet. And then as far as general allocation money, uh, between one and 2 million. So, um, I think this is one of the reasons why a few weeks ago when, uh, Claudio Arena told Chris Bills that we have four or five senior roster spots still available. That's why that was important is because we have all this money, but it doesn't matter if you've got no roster spots to fill anymore. So, um, it looks like we do still have some roster spots and we do still have money to spend. And so, uh, we've got that third DP spot coming in the summer, but there are still some, some of those more middle mid range guys that we could use that Tam on to really strengthen this roster. Yeah, that would be, that'd be really great. Where would you do that? Uh, if it was you, I think probably one more spot for maybe one more spot on the back line, you know, I agree. Yeah. I think, um, either like, uh, yeah, we just have so many midfielders, don't we? Like that. And a lot of them are gambles, like these wingers and midfielders, you'd, you'd, you'd bet on at least one of these guys to hit and be really a really good player for us. And that's really all we need is if one or two of them do really well. But uh, at the number six, we need some backup for ring because we don't really have another truly defensive midfielder on the roster. And so anybody who filled in there would be doing just that filling in like they're they're not going to be a natural in that position. And then the back line as well. I think um, one or two more kind of versatile and solid guys on that back line would make this team really, really good. Did Segura ever play? There, I feel like when we watch that tape, that video. I mean, you wouldn't want, you would want him that you would not want him there for a lot of matches, but he seems like he could be an emergency, you know, filling kind of spot. I, I don't think he's ever played as like the number six. Okay, I think he would be as like one of the two in a double pivot, but always a more defensive player next to him. Okay, um, I would imagine if he did play there, it was in an emergency situation because his his strongest spot from what I can tell is on the right wing and definitely likes to kind of be that shuttling winger moving up and down. So, um, yeah, I really, I really don't know, like if ring were to be out, who would play in that number six spot. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's talk about another very MLS mechanism for acquiring players, which we think we have one in house of, and that is of the CBA officially made the U 22 or affectionately known as young money by uh <laughs> Sam and Paul player available. We we believe that Rodney is one and maybe at some point we'll find that out. Um but what do you know about um sort of this provision of the CBA and how it might get used? Yeah, so it's essentially expanding uh the number of players you can spend that extra money on. And so what makes this special is that you can spend um as far as the transfer fee goes, you it, that's kind of like a designated player. You can spend as much as you want, and it's not going to count towards the salary hit or sorry, the salary budget. Um, there is a, a cap on how much you can pay them. I believe it's up to that designated player threshold. That's right. So you can only pay them up to six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred dollars. But the cap hit that that they would get is. Uh, we don't have official numbers on this, on this yet, but Sam State School reported that he's heard it's going to be somewhere between one hundred and fifty thousand and two hundred thousand dollars, which is really awesome. If you if you can pay a guy six hundred thousand dollars and have the transfer fee not counted into that, and then it only count against your cap is two hundred thousand, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is really good. I did I listened to allocation disorder yesterday, which I don't think you had the chance to because again you were struggling with keeping your lights on. <laughs> Uh, and they talked about the potential of of use because I mean in theory, if you were able to use it perfectly, you would effectively have six DPS, right? Because you can spend whatever you want. You have a set amount that you're paying them. Um, but you you would have to hit on all those things to make it happen. So what they really practically talked about is is more likely 
know, the teams are going to, this is another way for the teams are going to spend money and be smart to spend money and be smart and differentiate, differentiate themselves a little bit. So you can see Atlanta or LA, either LA or Toronto, or hopefully Austin, you know, use, use more of that than some other, some other clubs might, because you still have to spend the money. You still have to be willing to put the transfer fee out there. So if you're to take full advantage of it, you know, you need to be willing to do that. Yeah. But like you, like you mentioned, like with players that young, it's not going to be a guaranteed thing. Like a lot of, there's a lot of designated players that come into the league that, you know, at least they're going to be like, you kind of know what their floor is. They're going to be decent players, but with guys coming in 20, 21 years old, you don't know that for sure. So, um, yeah, I think if, if nothing else, it's, it's a mechanism for the owners who want to spend more money to allow them to spend more money and kind of buy more lottery tickets of these guys that are going to hit. And if you hit, like you said, six, six designated players, but um, more realistically, if you can get one or two of them to be solid contributors, that's, that's going to be pretty good. But uh, yeah, like we said, Ronnie Reddes is most likely going to fall under this, uh, this category. So we'll see what he can contribute in this season as well. Um, and I guess the other thing that we learned uh, recently out of that is that you can keep the players up until age 25. So you've got a pretty good, you've got, you know, three or four years possibly of opportunity to see, see what they can do and see how they fit in. And then also it would apply to homegrown and drafted players too, which there's not going to be that many people that fit into that category, but it's nice to have that kind of flexibility. Right. For for the homegrown, it's essentially like, if you sign someone to a homegrown contract, they play out that contract and you sign them to a second contract. You could use this mechanism on them. And so it's, I mean, it's more flexibility to kind of, to, to give teams the, the opportunity to keep some of these younger talents around for longer when maybe they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be able to afford to, or wouldn't have the roster spots to be able to do it. This kind of gives some flexibility there, but uh, hopefully Austin will be able to, to use some, to, to use that to kind of bolster those those homegrown signings as well. But uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just have to see as as time goes on. Yep. Well, let's. So the CBA brings us to the. Uh, we actually have dates for the season to start and training camp to start and all those things. So um, I'll go over the dates uh, fairly quickly. So the season's going to begin on April seventeenth, which is two weeks later than the than the league had originally announced. Um, on that, they expect the schedule to be released in early March, and that could be interesting because we don't know like we don't know if the Canadian teams will be able to play in Canada or have have to play in the U S or anything like that. Um, still the players are going to report on or before March 1st for March one for a seven day quarantine period. And then team training can begin on March 8th. Um, you know, with us, this is, this is something we're going to talk about with Chris. Uh, most of our players are already in town and informally training together which I think gives us a little advantage um, in gelling and, and getting going before others might. Um, what else do we know about training? Uh, well, so <laughs> we know that, that they've been training at a, an undisclosed field in, in Austin, which I think was discussed on the, uh, the Striker MLS podcast that they're training somewhere in town on a field. And I think Cecilia Dominguez accidentally revealed that secret location on Instagram last week. Uh, that, that post was taken down very quickly, which I imagine someone from Austin <laughs> FC gave him a call and we're like, Oh, Cecilia, you gotta, you, you can't really be doing that right now. And so, uh, if the club doesn't want that revealed, I don't think we're going to reveal that and be the, the ones who cause trouble for that. But, uh, they are training in town and will likely be training in that spot until uh, until the St. David's Performance Center is open. Yeah, but hey, the, re, the uh, Marcelo on Bright Verde should feel free to dig into that and break that, <laughs> and then we'll be happy to report it from there because yeah. we love those guys. That's what we do. Um, yeah, and then also the transfer window um, moved back a month, but we talked about this uh, off-air that's really kind of irrelevant, and can you talk about why yeah i i think it was jeff ruder on twitter um was commenting on this like it essentially doesn't matter it's it's when you can officially register players is the only thing that that matters so like someone like tomas pochettino he signed a contract with austin fc the only thing that needs to be done at this point is he needs to be registered to play for austin fc so that will happen 
when that transfer window opens, but it doesn't really change anything else practically. So um, that part doesn't matter so much. It'll maybe give us a little bit more time to sign like players late into the season, whereas maybe that window would have ended earlier. So we'll still be able to sign players right up until that point, but it doesn't really affect anything. Yeah, so the, the window is now opens March 10th, closes June 1st. That's a good point in the closing. And I, I heard that was also really good for the teams that had loan players out to the European clubs. And there's something about, yeah. about, them, about them coming back, about when they would come back, that it would, it would, it would help. Right, like a player like um, Jordan Morris who went over to England, like he's not going to miss that much time with the Sounders now with that with that delay. So it'll be uh, maybe a month or so that he'll be gone. Not not even that. Maybe just a handful of games, and then he'll be back in Seattle playing with them. If if he comes back, that'll be fun to watch too. But uh, any of those guys, any of those teams who are planning to bring those players back, those players aren't going to be missing much. Yeah, that's very true. So we could probably go into this more some other time but do you have an idea you have a guess for who our first away match might be and then also do you have somebody you would like it to be well with we don't know what the schedule is going to look like but i would imagine kind of like they did last season playing in kind of these regional pods for a bit i would imagine at least the beginning of the season they're going to want to limit travel as much as they can so i wouldn't be surprised if we see the first game against one of the Texas teams. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I feel like if it, in a normal year, maybe it would have been like Portland. I feel like that would be a natural fit. And yeah. I feel like the relationship between the owners, you know, with I think pre-courts talked about the Portland owners sort of being his mentor and, um, you know, our guiding light for how we want to build the club, that that might have been the option. But I think you're right. I would expect that they're going to, public health above all is probably what it's going to be. So I'd expect to be a, a driving road trip for our first away match. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to bring up is <clears throat> I wish I could remember where this is from. I think it might have been in one of the more recent press conferences with Claudio Reyna, but he said something about um, playing teams in uh, playing the Texas teams and also mentioned something along the lines of like other teams who might be in Texas. And I was curious to know if like this, I may have missed this news in my, uh, in my 48 hours of no, no electricity, but, um, last I checked only one of the Canadian teams had announced where they were going to like call their home base. And I think it's Vancouver is going to be in Salt Lake for those days. So I was curious if maybe one of the Canadian teams was going to maybe like post up in Frisco for a month or something and play their games there and just be in a warm weather climate until they're able to like be traveling back and forth from Canada more often. But this could be complete nonsense, but I would, uh, that's something that made me kind of piqued my interest. It's like, Oh, maybe one of the Canadian teams would come down and be like one of those play in our like regional group for a month until they can travel a bit more freely. That'd be great. I love that rumor. That, that, that's really exciting. That's a good thing to think about. I didn't catch, I didn't pick up <laughs> on that, but I think you're right. I don't remember. I can't imagine it would be Toronto, but I don't remember anybody else um, having announced it. So maybe that's an option. Yeah, I mean, Toronto was playing in Connecticut for the end of last season. And I would imagine they would, if they're going to be away from home, they might as well go somewhere a bit warmer during this time of year. So I mean, who knows? In theory, although I'm pretty sure it's been colder here yeah. than <laughs> Anchorage and lots of other places uh, over the last yeah. week. All right, let's uh, let's jump into our interview with Chris Bills. So anybody listening to this show knows who Chris Bills is. So I don't think we need much introduction there. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk to him about some stories he's written, talk to him a little bit about the Striker Texas and a few other things. So uh, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Chris Bills. Boom Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. Uh, FBF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. And FBF also recently won the Better Business Bureau's 2020 Torch Awards for marketplace ethics in the category of Central Texas businesses with 21 to 40 employees, which is a lot of words, but means uh, that they're really ethical 
mid-sized company. And so we're proud to be associated with them. Yeah. And it's like something really cool to hear from a personal injury law firm winning an ethics award, not just for law firms, but for businesses in general. So uh, I think that just says a lot about the kind of folks that that uh, work over at FVF. So you can go to FVF.law to find out more about what makes FVF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change your outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. Well, you don't need words to tell me things that drive you wild right we are joined today by Chris Bills, who is the co-founder of the Striker Texas and also the main Austin FC writer for the Striker Texas. Chris, thanks so much for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, it's fun to fun to talk to you guys again, and I'll try not to uh, be so long winded this time. Yeah, keep it on. Go keep it under an hour this time. Yeah, I think you you hold the record for our longest podcast ever. But also, I you probably don't know this, but it's also our second most downloaded episode ever. All right. So, yeah, I'll take I that. I think the the only one that's beaten you so far is the a very recent one we did with Alexi Lawless. So you're in, in pretty good company there. Man, it must be something about the red hair. I love it. <laughs> and your guys' podcast. <laughs> yeah. So um, to start off with, uh, you, you've been you've been involved in covering Austin FC since the very beginning, right? So. And that's what we we spent a lot of the time last time you were on talking about. Um, and now, continuing on that work, you're one of the co-founders of the Striker Texas and writing for Austin FC, writing about Austin FC for them. So, tell us a little bit about how the idea for the Striker came about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a a long story, but also not that long. Is like you know, I've been I've been here in Austin since 2016 been covering the whole saga leading up to Austin FC, uh, mostly for the Statesman, but I've been freelancing that whole time. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for the Statesman for giving me the space and the time to cover Austin FC. But at a certain point, I was just kind of looking toward the future and the media scene and thinking about what it was going to look like once this team was actually started. And um, I wasn't all that confident that there would be a place that would be, you know, looking for a full-time, what I would consider like a full-time beat writer, which, you know, maybe by those definitions don't exist to every team around MLS, but, uh, you know, things like being on the road and covering the games and, um, you know, just being in every training session and not having another beat to worry about. And, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was really kind of, kind of faced with, you know, a choice of, you know, do I keep trying to string this thing along or do I look for something else and kind of hooked up with uh, Roberto Silva, Silva, who had just been uh, laid off from uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin Bold, uh, started talking to him, talking to him about this idea um, of covering, going independent to cover Austin FC. And he was like, well, that's a great idea. And I really like what, you, you know, your kind of your vision for creating, creating this community around soccer coverage, but it'd be really cool if we did the whole state Texas. And I don't know, that was just kind of a, a light bulb moment. I think for both of us to kind of think about how big we could, we could we make this thing we got Renee Vandezanda involved uh, who he was the former majority owner of the Austin Aztecs uh, before Bobby Epstein took it over. Um, and he kind of latched onto this idea as well. We got John Arnold and Victor Ariza on board and it's just kind of grown from there. So we have a, a network uh, you guys have met of, um, you know, some, some writers around Texas that are going to cover the USL championship teams as well as Houston dash. We actually have two, two writers, uh, Bianca and Laura, um, Bianca Verar and uh, Laura Gomez on, on the Houston dash. Um, and then you guys have obviously joined us uh, with uh with Moon Tower Soccer. So that's been a really exciting addition too, to have um, so far two podcasts and hoping to grow that. So uh, yeah, it's just been really exciting to actually have this thing out in the world and uh, we'll have the app coming soon as well. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and we're gonna, gonna try and grow coverage around the game of soccer and hopefully educate people about, you know, the whole pyramid all the way from uh, professional down to the, down to youth. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the goal and the mission. And, um, like I said, it kind of sprouted out of my desire to cover Austin FC full time, but I think the vision and seeing how many different people are getting 
paid to write about soccer is for me been a really fulfilling and a really cool uh, part of this whole process over the, the past year or so. So looking at the just kind of the broader soccer media landscape, um, what what space do you see the Striker Texas filling within that? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be very, very local. So, you know, but local on a state level. So, you know, if you're in Dallas, you know, you're going to get every single piece of FC Dallas news from John Arnold. If you're in Houston, uh, whether you're coming, whether you're following the Dash or the Dynamo, you know, you're going to get every piece, piece of news on either of them, as well as, you know, with Austin FC, we want to have the best coverage of Austin FC, bar none. Um, and, you know, go in depth, follow the team, um, you know, be there for all the big moments. Uh, so, you know, almost, you know, the depth of, you know, we want to, you know, strive to have quality journalism, such as like the athlete that you would find like in the athletic, but also, you know, really local and, and, um, you know, covering day in, day out, um, all of the teams in the state at a level that, that nobody else is doing. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to, to do. And obviously we've got a, a long road to go and, um, you know, we'll prove ourselves along the way, but I think we're, we're off to a really good start. Yeah. And we just, re- that's Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was, I was go going to say uh, it's there's, I think it's, I was, I was, whenever you first started kind of talking about this many, many months ago, I was very excited about it just because there is like, there's a bit of a, a vacuum in certain spaces of soccer media that there's just certain coverage that just doesn't happen. And so I'm, I'm excited to see this happening and hopefully, hopefully people in, in the state of Texas will, will be as excited as I am about it because they're really, I hope so too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's just like the, you get these high level stories, but as far as like this day-to-day coverage, like you get with, with other American sports, it just doesn't really exist in soccer right now. So hopefully, hopefully this will, kind of kick that off not only in texas but in other places as well yeah yeah i think that's the long-term vision for sure is to see you know see how see how far we can take this thing so um but yeah i'm just excited about the people that are on board and hopefully the people we get to share things with you know there's things like uh you know forums on the website there's a chance you can you know do community submissions and kind of tell your own stories as well so um come check us out strikertexas.com and uh like i said the app will be coming out soon follow Follow all of us on social media at the Striker Texas, uh, and and we'll get you get you fed all the soccer info uh, that you that you can handle about about Texas. Yeah, I know uh, when I went to the first, I think you were in this like land of the first creative meeting. I'm like, wow, there's a whole lot of actual soccer journalists in this this Zoom room, <laughs> and then there's us. So we feel really privileged um, to be a part of it too, for sure. Thanks, thanks for no, having us. No, you guys, you guys, you guys definitely belong in that mix. I mean, I think. As far as, you know, I, I learn things from this podcast often, or at least ref- reframes the conversation for me often of the way you guys, you know, how smart you guys are and, you know, the way you kind of pick apart the subject and subjects in the team. So, uh, you know, definitely excited to have you guys on as well. And I think you, you know, you definitely challenged me and, and belong in that mix as well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Man, well, your, yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, your check will be in the mail soon um, for that plug. <laughs> so I, what I did want to ask about, so last week, which seems like a million years ago now, like we had a big kickoff event, which was the first Texas Soccer Summit. Uh, it was four days, half day each day, covered every aspect of soccer that you talked about. Can you maybe pick your one or two highlights from the event of, you know, things you learned or things that just surprised you or just like what what was the big takeaway for you? I think the big takeaway for me was, uh, you know, and I'll get specific here in a moment, but I think the big takeaway for me was this idea of doing all Texas soccer. You know, you think about what that means. uh, And it's one thing to get all these writers in place and to think about what all these teams are, but then to see, I think some 50 odd people talking about their unique perspectives on the game all the way from, you know, somebody like Angela Kelly, who's coaching on the, the college side. Um, you know, I think we had youth directors from, you know, various youth clubs uh, and, uh, you know, all the way up to, you know, the last panel was was Lucci Gonzalez and Matt Jordan talking to Jimmy Conrad, which I thought was was a really neat one. Um, but I, I think just overall, the, the amount of voices um, and a big thank you to everyone who, who took part and, 
who kind of believed in that thing. Uh, just, you know, a lot of people just called sight unseen. We're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Just send me the date. Zoom call and we'll talk. Um, so that was, that was really great. Um, for me that I think, you know, Austin F. A one-on-one -on -one conversation with Sonny Guama, and I thought he was, um, you know, really talked about he going to Mexico. He he he's been professional for fifteen. He's trying um, keep playing the you know, maybe a, a chance potentially. I, I think he's been he's been wanting to get in with Austin. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but. Uh, you know, he talked about his journey going to Santos Laguna and, you know, just, you know, what it looks like you're 18 years old to, to be uh, kind of thrust into uh, a completely different world uh, as a soccer player and the challenges and not, you know, the glitz and glamour of, you know, on the, on the field, but all the, you know, the real life things that he had to go through. He's a local guy. I think he's probably longest, uh, longest soccer career of any, uh, professional player to come out of Austin. So if you don't know who Sonny Guadarrama, I think that conversation, uh, you know, I learned some things about him and I know it's the last three or four years, you know, from Austin perspective, I think that's where I'd point, point you. Um, yeah, we also had, uh, James Ruth on, uh, who, who's the VP of marketing, uh, with Austin FC to talk about how to, you know, how to market, uh, in a, a new team, uh, in a state, in a, in a city that's, that's known for football. Uh, we had Juan Delgado on talking uh, with the other uh, MLS Next directors in Texas. So FC Dallas and um, Houston Dynamo uh, Academy directors, and, and they they had a, they had a fun conversation. Andy Lockman was on a panel um, as well with um, Tab Ramos and uh, Andres Zanota. That was a fun one. We learned uh, during that one. Andres Zanota said that we we could expect to see some preseason action between uh, Dallas, Austin, and Houston. So that was a fun little bit of news that came out of the Texas Soccer Summit. So, uh, yeah, lots of great stuff. I mean, I think it was overall 20 hours of content. And, uh, you know, I'm still going back myself and, and kind of sorting through some of it. But, uh, yeah, it's all on the Striker Texas if you want to go go take a look. Um, just overall, I thought it was a really, really fun event. Yeah, I, I had to miss – several of them because of my work schedule, but I'll definitely be going back and checking out some of those. Cause there's a couple that you just mentioned that I didn't even know happened. And so I'm excited to go check them out again. Yeah. We had a uh, Cami Privet from, uh, the dash was, uh, driving around, uh, Houston <laughs> while yeah. she was on the zoom call, which was, uh, maybe my highlight of, of the whole thing. Uh, Laura, Laura Gomez was, uh, man, that, that was such a fun panel. Uh, it was Cami Privet, and uh, Bree Vasali from the Dash, and then um, Satara Murray, who played for FC Austin Elite, and Danny Woodfield, who's the GM of FC Austin Elite, and they were kind of talking about the different challenges that they've had to go through as as women professional professional players to make it. And um, but Laura was just a host in that thing, and it was that was such a fun conversation. Uh, so that that one definitely worth che worth checking out as well. Yeah, as a work comp insurance guy, like I saw that picture of her driving around, and I'm like, this is, I just have to like turn my work brain off and pretend like this is not happening right now because I found that very stressful. But it's okay. So I think it was really good too. And also, you mentioned James and Juan, who we've interviewed both on the podcast. So I guess, I guess we have to get Andy on next then, so we can hit on all, all three of the folks that you that y'all had on at the at the event, too. Um, let's talk about a couple articles that you've written recently for the site. Uh, one about Thomas Pochettino our second designated player. And I think the one that you wrote was about how he really seems to have embraced the spotlight and the pressure that comes with that role. Can you expand on that a little bit more and what we might expect out of him? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, he got on a zoom call, um, the day that he signed, which I think was, was the last, a lot of things have happened guys in the last week. Um, yeah. So Tomas Pochettino, I think he was calling in from Argentina and uh, he was talking about uh, the different offers that, that you know, I kind of asked him, you know, hey, you had a chance to go to, you know, Boca Juniors or River Plate, or I think there was maybe even some European interest as well um, that you guys have talked about. And, um, you know, he really was one, 
I think he was very pleased by how interested Austin FC was in the beginning um, in him, you know, before he sort of had this really great 2020 and sort of, you know, got some other interest. It sounds like Claudio and, and Josh Wolf were already sort of sniffing around and asking about uh, Tomas Pochettino. And, and, you know, so he kind of felt some loyalty there, but he also said that he, um, he's the pressure to be in a new team and in a DP and a DP is, is wonderful. So, you know, he's sort of, he likes this idea of being one of the leading men of a, of a new franchise. And um, I assume, you know, for a guy coming from Argentina, it's probably enticing as well to be part of a, a new franchise in a, in a country where, you know, that pressure is going to be there on the field, but off the field, maybe not as much, you know, he can sort of, um, you know, fade into the background a little bit, you know, walking around town, you know, I I'm sure that Austin FC players are going to get recognized, but it's still MLS, right. And, and it's not quite like being in the pressure cooker of a club like Boca juniors or, you know, uh, yeah, I, I noticed in the in that press conference as well that one thing he mentioned is that one of the reasons why he was why he chose Austin FC was because of kind of that loyalty. Like Austin FC was one hundred percent committed to him, whereas some someone like Boca or like a European team, it was just like, okay, this is another player we're maybe considering. But yeah, with Austin and FC, I, I guess like you're our guy. Yeah, I guess the other thing I should have mentioned um, was the fact that I think that he he's going to play, right? Like he knows right, that yeah. he's going to be, you know, not just play, but be one of the centerpieces of a, of a team, which, you know, might not be guaranteed at a club like Boca. When you're talking about a guy who's, you know, an Argentine midfielder, um, you know, sometimes it can be kind of competitive to get into a midfield spot in a, in a bigger league or not necessarily a bigger league in Argentina, but at least a, a bigger club. Um, you know, where there's a lot of competition for those spots and Austin's kind of giving him free reign and, and giving him the reins, I guess, you guess you could say. So you also recently wrote an article about how the players are kind of acclimating to Austin and it's something that we've talked about on the show before. So can you talk a little bit about more about that and uh, like any sightings, like player sightings that you've heard of, and then also maybe go into a little bit about what their uh, training setup is looking like right now? Yeah, so I was talking to Josh Wolf a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the day that uh, Aaron Schoenfeld uh, signed, um, and he was talking about. I was just sort of asking him, you know, what it's been like, you know, having the players in town, what the what the setup's been like, and he was kind of sort of explaining to me, oh yeah, like you know, we're able to see the players all the time, and they've been training. Um, so you know, just sort of was talking to him about that and. Yeah, they've been in town. Actually, you know, what we've learned through, I think, this uh, last few days of the winter storm is not all of them, I don't think, are in the Fairmont anymore. Some of them, a fair, fair amount of them have moved into their own places and were without power like the rest of us or like 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 you guys were. Um, and, uh, you know, they they've been training together, but it's all optional. Um, so they've been able to get on on the field they they work out several times a week and that's going to be beneficial i think for them when um training camp starts because we saw the dates that were put out by by the league actual training camp can start on march 8th they can move in um and start tr uh training as soon as march 1st as long as they've had seven days of quarantine and, and testing which i think they've already been sort of doing anyway on their own so they should be able to start as a as a team closer to that March 1st date, uh, which I think should be a benefit for a new team sort of starting to gel. Um, but as far as the setup goes, I think that, you know, because they're an expansion team, it's given them a little bit of an advantage in that sense uh, that the team's all sort of getting together. They don't really know anybody else in town. Right. So they're getting to know each other, um, getting to know the coaching staff. And while they won't, while they won't actually be on the field with the coaching staff till March, um, there's a lot of familiarity there and a lot of, they know what the expectations are going to be. Uh, so I think, you know, that's all been, been pretty beneficial for them. So how does that work? Like the, like Josh Wolf just leaves a training plan under their doors at the, at the Fairmont. <laughs> and it just, if you want to work out, you know, you, you may choose to do this or not, or is it, I mean, is it, I assume it's a little bit structured, but officially informal. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, you know, I, 
Josh, I, I could tell you didn't want to get super into the the weeds on that kind of stuff because I do think it's a little bit like, yeah, it's optional trainings, but these are professional athletes. Um, and I think that the way that they get where they are is, you know, they show up to optional things. Right. And plus they're walking by the coaches every day in the hotel. So it's like, if they didn't go to training, I think you'd kind of know. So yeah, yeah, I think that everybody's, uh, probably, uh, getting their work in <laughs> for sure. The, the way I kind of took that, or I'm just guessing here, but the way I kind of took it was that like, if we weren't an expansion team, like all these guys are moving to town anyway. Right. And so they're here. Whereas on any other MLS team, like a lot of those guys might be out of the city during right. a time like this. And so like an optional training might be like, if you're in town, come, but if you're not, you need to be here on March 8th. And so maybe it's something like that, but who knows? Yeah. Plus, I mean, when, at the time I was talking to him, it was still when the labor negotiations negotiations were happening. So it was like, technically they're not even working right now, but the same time you're in town, you're training for a new team. Um, and these are professional athletes, right? They want to be ready to go when, when the time comes. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it was kind of an interesting, uh, few weeks there when they first got in town, uh, being in the middle of a labor negotiation, but also getting to know their, their new coaches and teammates and wanting to show that they're, you know, they're all working for the same cause. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, everybody will be ready to go in March and, and we'll have a season in April. So that's, that's exciting. So, so, oh, in the in between, oh, yeah, in the in between time and you hinted at this, um, we have an idea of what part of preseason might look like. Can you share more about that news? Yeah. So Andre Zanotto was, like I said, first mentioned this during the Texas soccer summit, um, followed up with Claudia Reyna about it. And then actually Matt Jordan mentioned it at the soccer summit the last day as well that the three of them, so Zanota at FC Dallas, Claudia Reyna at Austin FC, and, and Matt Jordan at, Houston, at the Houston Dynamo have been talking about, um, you know, how can we get together and train, right? Like normally MLS teams, uh, there's like the Desert Diamond Classic in uh, Tucson, I think. There's the Charleston uh, tournament. Um, and there haven't really been too many Texas uh, events, but actually that was one thing Claudia Arena said is that I think he hopes that this sort of starts a, a new tradition where they're able to have more of a formal preseason uh, tournament in Texas. Of course, there was the ATX Pro Challenge a few years ago, the Armadillo Trophy, uh, you know, that that was uh, that still gets floated around Twitter quite a bit. Um, and I think so there's people that would like to sort of revive something like that. But at least for this year, it sounds like there's going to be some friendlies between the three Texas teams. Uh, we might even see those streamed. I'm not sure if they're going to open up the stadiums for fans, but they might have at least, you know, some of those games might be in, in either Houston or Dallas. I don't, I don't think Austin's going to be ready to host, you know, either at the training facility or at the stadium, uh, obviously by by March. But, um, you know, mid-March, early April, we should see some, uh, some of the first uh, of the new-look Texas Texas Derby matches happening, whether we actually know the results or they're between behind closed doors or, or they're, they're streamed live. All right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exciting to, to be thinking about like those first, the first moments we're going to get to see that team take the field. So um, I think that's a, a good place to stop. So before we wrap up, is there any, any other parting thoughts you want to share? No, I just, thanks guys for having me on and keep up the good work. I think this is, you know, one of my favorite lessons every week and, uh, you know, a good way to catch up on the Austin FC news and, and hear what you guys are thinking about everything from a fan perspective. So I uh, look forward to hopping on uh, whenever you guys will have me. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Right. Yeah, you can find Chris's work, as we mentioned before, at the Striker Texas, and then also is at Chris Bills on Twitter. Is that yeah, right? At Chris Bills, 1L. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. All right. We want to thank Chris Bills one more time for joining us. We always we always like talking to Chris, so uh, we'll definitely have him again on sometime in the future. Uh, before we wrap up, we want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and also check us, uh, check us and Chris and Victor and John and the whole gang out on the Striker Texas website. Um, and we've all we talked about this before, but we do love talking soccer on Twitter. So please. Give us a follow if you don't and engage with us either at jbentleyatx or lvahero87 
We're always looking to connect with more fans and talk more about the sport that we love. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Moon Tower Soccer. We will be back in one week with more Austin FC news and uh, maybe an interview. We don't we don't have one lined up yet, but we'll see. Until then, my name is Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. No one is